Esther is a stowaway. She's hidden herself away in the librarian's book wagon in an attempt to escape the marriage her father has arranged for her. A marriage to the man who was previously engaged to her best friend. Her best friend who she was in love with. Her best friend who was just executed for possession of resistance propaganda. Treat Your Shelf, a book club podcast where each month we read a book and come together to discuss it. I'm Christina. I'm Emma. And I'm Hannah. And today we'll be discussing Upright Women Wanted by Sarah Gailey. First, we're going to give our non-spoiler review. Emma, let's start with you today. Oh boy. So I don't want to hate the books we read. I really don't. But this book wasn't very good and I want it to be good. I really like Westerns. And I really wanted to like this book. But I didn't. It really felt like a first draft of a book. Mm -hmm. Where nothing was really as fleshed out as it should have been. Especially the characters. And there's also terrible romance in the book. And terrible romance equals a terrible book. Uh, Things just happen for really no reason. And uh, I think flashbacks would have also been helpful in this book to really flesh things Mm. out but yeah it it was a very short book and again it felt like a first draft it felt like the author just wrote it and then never went back to it to fix things that needed to be fixed right that's what i thought of the book (laughs) okay what did you think hannah what did i think about the story well I hadn't heard the description for the story, and I hadn't read the description for the story. All I knew was that it was Western, and it had librarians in it, and so that was exciting, and I thought it was going to be really, really good, and then I, it just left me wanting a lot more from it. I feel like a lot could have been added to this book, and mm-hmm. maybe that would have helped it, because... It didn't give me everything that I I wanted from it. I don't know. I think we'll talk about the romance. I was on and off with the romance aspect of it. I wanted more from a lot of different elements of it, and I just didn't get it. Yeah, yes. I, I agree with both those things. I would have loved it to be a longer novel. Like, I wanted to know Beatrice more I wanted to know that past life a little bit more and what led her to run away specifically to this group of people Mm -hmm. it just was like a snapshot that had no context so yeah it, it was hard to root for the main character when I didn't really like her cause I <laughs> yeah it's very hard to like the main character. Anyways, um, I guess we should just go ahead and dive right into our spoiler-filled discussion of Upright Women Wanted. Yeah, so it starts off with Esther stowing away in the librarian's wagon. So it's uh, set in a dystopian future-verse. Yes. And that took me a while to figure out. Yeah, me again, too. I hadn't, I hadn't read any descriptions and I, I don't know if any descriptions actually said oh, that and yeah in so them. actually the uh summary on the book cover i omitted this earlier it says the future american southwest so that's the only reason i knew it was in the future 
Mm. So it took me so long. So one of my notes, let me find it. When they started talking about toothbrushes, I was like, I know toothbrushes ain't been around forever. (laughs) My note was, when does this take place? Mass production in the U.S. didn't occur until 1885, according to Wikipedia. Oh, fun fact. Thanks for that, Fun fact. So yeah, Esther's in the back of a wagon and then they the librarians find her and they're pointing a gun at her i was like are they just going to shoot this girl why are they going to do that <laughs> they do actually they were very concerned they explained that, that she was... like at the end of the book why they were going to shoot her but it seemed yeah. very weird i mean i it's just supposed to be like this hostile environment where they don't trust anyone right off the bat like, mm-hmm. everyone is a hostile until proven otherwise. Mm-hmm. I think it just was, like, the author trying to make all the characters seem more hardened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I guess in such a short format, then it's like, well, what's the quickest way to do that? Were librarian wagons actually a thing? I didn't look that up. I don't know. When did libraries first come about, Emma? Forever ago. True, forever ago. Hannah, Hannah, do you know? Okay, that was a stupid thing. Cut that out. (laughs) Strike that. The Library of Alexandria, perhaps? (laughs) One of the most ancient. I don't know. I just want to know if librarian wagons was a thing. I don't know. But I also wanted... Okay, I don't know if you said you wanted this book to take place in the past, but I wanted this book to be alternate history rather than dystopian future. Because yeah. I feel like dystopian future, you need a lot more world building, which the author just didn't do. Yes. Mm-hmm. And alternate history, you can just be like, you know what it was like in the past, but things are slightly different. You know, the government's slightly different. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree. I I didn't really like Esther throughout the entire novel. <laughs> I, yeah. And the two women that found her... Bet and Lita. Yes. So Bet and Lita, um, Esther quickly finds out that they are a couple. Yes. And by the end of chapter one, that's revealed. Yeah. So she's talking to them and she's at this point lying, saying, oh, I always wanted to be a librarian and I want to join you guys. And they're like, oh, you're lying because I told you that I could tell if you were lying, but instead you decided to lie to us anyway. Mm-hmm. whatever but then they're like oh it sounds like you were in a lesbian relationship so now we do like you and mm. we're not gonna shoot you yeah yeah even though she was trying to like keep that hidden for the most part because it's like deviant behavior which again was why i was trying to figure out when this took place because i i'm just how in this dystopian future type thing, but we're back to, like, Old West stuff. So then why are these relationships considered so deviant in this dystopian future? Yeah, like, what happened between now and this fictional future where being queer at all is a crime that's executable... And and just women's rights in general seem to have taken a big step back if she's being married off. Well, for this book, I decided to read about fascism since it's saying that this book was anti-fascist. And so fascism was all about, you know, like the family, we need to, you know, produce people. 
So I guess that's mm. why you don't want queer people around because mm. they're not going to be producing babies. But again, there was no world building in this world to really establish how this came to be. Right. And where did you even find that it was an anti-fascist book? Like, is that something that you just I read? Think on, I think on Goodreads it was saying, like, librarians fighting fascists. Goodreads says that, yeah. Oh, okay, because the novel itself never says anything about fascists. It does not. So the this book is requiring you to take a lot of extra... I guess, research and assumptions into what this novel is really trying to get at. Yes. Yeah. And maybe they should have just added another extra pages to the novel and that would have helped alleviate all the extra research. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, can we talk about the third librarian? Their name's Sai or Kai? C-Y-E. I pronounced it Sai. I said Sai also. Okay, I said Sai as well. Yeah, so Sai is their apprentice librarian. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so they are also in this merry band of lesbian librarians who are fighting fascists, but we don't know that because the book doesn't say that. <laughs> um, and, and what happens when Sai shows up, Hannah? I mean, it's so much happens. Sai <laughs> shows up and then... I'm trying to find my... Because you know I always write down the quotations. Yes. Their eyes met, matched, and something grew up between them, fast as thunder rolling across the horizon, wide miles of sand and scrub. Something Esther didn't want to feel ever again. Um, God. And so that's, that's in chapter two. And that's basically... Esther's only been thinking about how her previous girlfriend had been just hanged and executed. Yes. And and now she locks eyes with with Sai and is like, hey, you know, I'm feeling feelings again. I shouldn't be feeling these feelings, but I'm feeling feelings. And it felt very insta-love. And maybe it's not supposed to be love. Maybe it's just supposed to be like attraction. But to me, it felt very insta-love. It felt like lust. It, it felt like she was just like, oh, man, I want you. Well, that's, yeah, that's why I was trying to figure out, was it more of an attraction thing? Like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm feeling these lustful feelings towards you. Right. And, I mean, I, it's definitely lust because love, I don't, I felt like Sai was a complete jerk to Esther for the entirety yes. of the entire mm. novel. I was like, I don't care how attractive this person looks. Like, if someone treats me like that, I'm like, there is no insta-love. There is no insta-lust. What about in We the Living? <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about that. <laughs> we don't need to rehash that I, we might don't remind me my note at that part was if I had a physical copy of this book I would have thrown it down but since I was reading it on my phone I did not throw it down <laughs> but yeah it was she She spends the whole first chapter thinking about how sad she is that her best friend slash lover was just murdered and then, and how she's a deviant, and how she can't be this way, and it only brings trouble. And then she sees this new person, and is just immediately 
in love. This person yells at her and then she looks at Sai and is like, oh, I'm in love with you now, even though you were just mean to me for a couple mm. paragraphs. I did like how we have Sai as a non-binary character and very clearly states I'm they on the road and she in town. Uh, but then that never actually occurred. They never had to call Sai <laughs> she in town because no. they were never in town together, really. Yeah. I don't know, just because they repeated that line at least five different times yes. during the story. Oh my gosh, and then okay. It never happened. I mean, it's a good precaution. Like it's it's good to know what pronouns you you can yes. use. But yeah, I I wasn't sure why. Yes, it is a thing that needs to be stated once. I mean, I guess it's it's more of that building that this world is this dystopian type place where there that's their world building. Yes. Yeah. Again, in chapter four, I wrote, "Look, Sai, stop reminding me to call you." a she in front of mixed company honestly annoying because <laughs> it was like the fourth or fifth time and it, you know people are just like i think this was when there were writers on the horizon and she's like turning and like saying that i'm like okay yeah. these people yeah. that are riding towards you oh pulling on her yeah. stair skirt <laughs> like, we're about to get murdered on. and don't let them know <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure there's not going to be any talking coming up but uh, can your last words not be reminding me something that you've already reminded me five times, please? <laughs> and I, I think it would be one of those things if any of the characters had seemed like they were having trouble remembering the pronouns, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe if Esther had to be corrected at one point, then you could throw that in there again. That's the thing. Nobody seemed to have any trouble with it and I and I understand how important pronouns are and how, yes, you would need to make these things clear, but since it didn't seem to be an issue with anybody and then it was never an issue when they were in town, it just seemed like an interesting thing to keep bringing up. Yeah, I, I think I would have liked to have seen, because this is a dystopian future where I'm sure Esther is not the first generation that's in this dystopia. So, but who knows? But who knows? But I would have been fine with her being like, oh, this they them is a novel concept. But she just kind of was like, oh, cool. This is totally normal, even though um, it's not even a thought that's allowed to happen in this society. Uh, crazy that I'd be just so comfortable and willy nilly with this concept. Like I would have yeah. liked Sai to like kind of explain a little bit more like this is they them. Like this is why I prefer this. Mm -hmm. And this is why they can't know. And this is why, like, it's novel for them and why they hate or fear it or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, yeah, Esther has all of this, like, internalized homophobia for herself, but then is just so accepting of this. I mean, it's great that everybody was accepting, and but in the world that we were plopped into, it just, it just I don't know. Or explain more of all this... Uh, restricted or unacceptable reading material. Yeah, that's not, that's really not brought up till the end of the book. Yeah. Where we find out what the librarians are actually doing. Like, we get a sense of it, but it's... Because I'm like, <sighs> what art, what is this unauthorized reading material? Why is it unauthorized? What are you reading? <laughs> right. <sighs> so many questions. How are you planning on staging the revolution? Yeah. Because it doesn't seem to be going well, the method you're using. Yeah. Yeah. For chapter three, I wrote also, 
I was writing something else and I was like, also, Sai is still a jerk and not in a cute, endearing way. Yeah. <laughs> so chapter two, we're kind of introduced to the plot of the book where uh, they receive a package, which is actually three ladies that they have to transport. Mm-hmm. And the librarians decide, hey, uh, we'll transport them and get rid of Esther in the same place. And Esther's like, you want to get rid of me? And it's just like, do you even want to be there? Like, I just figured you just didn't want to be home right now because you didn't want to marry that Mm -hmm. man. Right. Which, can we talk about how that never comes up again, the man? I know! Never. Never. I kept waiting, like, that's going to be a major plot point. He's going to show up at some point. He's going to be at the last checkpoint. No. No. Never. Never. Never, ever. Not even her father comes up, really. Oh my gosh, I kept expecting her father to have sent people to go find her. Yeah, her father, government official, daughter goes missing, guess he doesn't care. Whatever. Yeah, no one cares. She's not on any wanted signs or missing signs. (laughs) That's just it. (laughs) Yeah, correct. So also in chapter three, we find out that the author keeps alluding to how War has just been going on forever. Mm-hmm. They're locked in some sort of eternal war. And that's what all the money and supplies go to. Mm. Okay, whatever. Okay. And then we also find out that her father was abusive, physically abusive towards her mother. And... Yeah. Again, it's kind of like a, a throwaway I've, point. I know I've talked about this with Hannah before, how that's just like cheap heat. That's just, oh, look how evil this guy is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, you know, might as well kick a puppy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I this is this is when I thought about how flashbacks would be really helpful. If you had flashbacks of her interactions with her father and how maybe if he was like psychologically abusive, that would be a thing that really needs to be talked about in books and would be much more right. interesting than just being like, oh, he hit my mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But it'll turn out that the author had an abusive father and I'm just saying these awful things about how their book is poorly written. <laughs> this is based on my life. I know, that's what I'm so afraid of. <laughs> um, and we also find out, I guess chapter three was the world building chapter. I took a lot of notes. We find out that uh, the country, which I guess is the United States, the, co- the United States is split into quadrants and they're like job-based mm-hmm. quadrants. Mm-hmm. And I wrote, someone read The Hunger Games. But not me. I just watched the movies. <laughs> but yeah, you, you have the section of the country that's mm-hmm. like where all the soldiers come from. Yeah, and they're like, people don't get born there. It's like, what do you mean they don't get born there? Yeah, how did they end up there? How did well, Bet end up there? Never explained. I mean, like, I love the idea for this world. I think it's a cool concept. I just, in the context of this book, I wasn't made to care about it or understand it at all. Yeah. So anyways, in chapter, well, did you have any more notes about the world building? Um, Well, in chapter three, I wrote down this quote. It says, this is what Esther, I can't say that name because, you know, I can't say T-H. Esther thinks to herself it felt like a betrayal of Beatrice her liking Sai 
And I said, yeah, because you moved on pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. It is a betrayal of Beatrice. That's a pretty valid feeling, especially because, like, you know, she doesn't talk about, like, anything in detail. Mm. <sighs> but that know. that's it. So they're now they're just traveling through the country with these three ladies. Mm-hmm. And they're going to Utah because that's where the resistance is, I guess. The insurgents, mm-hmm. the rebels, whatever. They have uh, many different names. But I don't oh, think yes. we really know that at that point yet, do we? Yeah, because like no. that they're going to the resistance, or is it during the world building? I think so. I think it's during the world building because they're like, we're gonna drop you off here, and then Esther's like, oh no no no, like I want to go to the resistance, and they're like, yeah, this is the resistance. It's just another name for it. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, whatever. Mm, okay. So chapter four, we get our first Western action scene. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Some yeah. Riders on the horizon coming towards camp. Sai turns to Esther. Hey, call me she in front of them. Not they, <laughs> them. <laughs> so and then a battle ensues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because then it's not much longer later where they realize, oh man, they're all, they all have handkerchiefs over their face. They're coming to kill us. Probably. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. They're not coming to talk. <laughs> I had some continuity issues here. So basically, and I, gosh, I like just want to reiterate that I really wanted to love this book. So at the start of the battle, I think Esther, she tries to grab onto a bandit and her shoulder is popped out of the socket. Yes, 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 and yes, yes. Then it is literally never mentioned again. I waited till the middle of chapter five to be like, to write it down as a note even, because I was like, maybe I just missed it or it's coming up. I but... kept waiting for that to be a thing that would like get her and Sai closer. Oh my God. Even yes. more so than they already were. Bandaging of the yes. wounded comrade. Yeah. Like popping her shoulder back into socket. Like Sai's really good at that. Let me help you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They have that. And then they introduce the romance part. Like, oh, Esther looked into their eyes for the first time and realized there was something more between them. Then mm-hmm. I would have been more okay with it, but because the romance was introduced the second they meet, possibly a day after her former lover was killed, is just mm-hmm. bad. But yeah. yeah, I also was like, wasn't she hurt? But now she's picking up this dead body and moving it. She yes. drags a dead body like for half a mile with a popped out shoulder. <laughs> yes there's no way even if she got her shoulder back into the socket there's no way she's lifting anything Mm. for at least 24 hours yes that i had the biggest problem with that i couldn't stop thinking about it the rest of the novel you got anything to say about the bandit attack hannah all i wrote my my only note was i liked that chapter but then i couldn't (laughs) remember what happened in that chapter so that's because esther can't really remember (laughs) that's true I wrote that this chapter shows the librarians are super okay with murder because they just yeah murder the entire gang. But eh, well, that, that's kind of cleared up later a bit, I guess. Um, mm. But anyway, we find out that the bandits are actually the sheriff of Sedona's gang. Mm-hmm. And they're like, why is the sheriff after us? How mysterious. Yeah, again, they, uh, they bury that sheriff with very little remorse. They take his boots and then... Amity cuts up his abdomen so that yeah. his intestines are yeah. out, so that the birds eat him faster. 
Yeah, Amity is one of the one of the three ladies that they're escorting. Yes. Yeah. And it's just like a moment of like a really intense violence. Yeah, just a, how do you know this? <laughs> but I don't think anybody says that. But it would have been helpful because yeah. I just wasn't suspecting Amity to be anything. I was just like, oh, she has some weird character traits. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, at, at first, I mean, they don't even really do much to describe her. They're just like, there's that silent one who's with those other two. And sometimes she comes out and just sits with us by the fire and that's it. And the and next thing you know. <laughs> she's kind of nice to Esther. Yeah. Which yeah. is something they make a point to focus on for a little bit like she offers to teach her how to throw punch or shoot a gun yes Mm -hmm. so i did kind of like her at first because i was like oh hey she's actually treating esther like she's a human that's cool so i i didn't really write any notes for chapter six i didn't either (laughs) so i guess nothing happened i wrote everyone is shipping sai and esther but sai is literally a jerk (laughs) that's all i wrote All I wrote was one quotation that they didn't see her as part of the team at all. They saw her as something to be got rid of, a stray dog that wouldn't stop following them unless they threw it scraps, a magnet for disaster. So just continuing her thoughts of all this bad stuff is because of me and because of who I am. And Mm. it's going to keep happening and keep following me. Even though everybody around me is pretty much the same as I am. It's because of me. Yeah. Yeah. So chapter six, they, that's when they're speculating that it's Esther's dad. Who's like come after that. Yeah. Which would make sense. It would. That would make sense. (laughs) And I would be totally for that idea. And it would bring the plot threads together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. But that's not what they do. And again, like, gosh, I just like, I think shipping Esther and Sai is like totally promoting like, I don't want to say an abusive relationship, but like, Sai is like belittling Esther and like, is super tough on her, which I think there is a way to make an endearing relationship out of someone who's just tough on you. But that's not what this feels like. Well, Hannah, what happens to chapter seven? (laughs) Uh, So chapter seven is where Esther decides, like, I'm going to show them that I can do stuff. So I'm going to take the grocery list and size papers and go to town. Which they never tell us explicitly that's what she's doing until she's done it. She's just like, like the chapter ends with her waking up in, or in the early morning before everyone else and then that's the end of chapter 6 and then chapter 7 she's like at a guard house or whatever and mm-hmm. I was very confused and I had a really hard time just going with it <laughs> right the guard who doesn't like that she's still up on a horse saying people in town don't like to see a lady up top of them makes it hard to give her a proper howdy <laughs> What's a proper howdy, Hannah? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the way they're saying it, it doesn't seem like it's a good thing. Yeah. I don't know that I would want a proper howdy. I'd rather stay on my horse. You can tip your hat to me wherever I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, then my only other note from that chapter was highlighting where it says, Insurrectionist Assassin. <laughs> Because she finds the wanted poster or whatever for Amity. So 
Yeah, so Amity is evil. Surprise. I was. I was surprised. I thought it was a fun character turn. And I was like, oh, I guess that makes sense. All her, she's really cold and distant and knows about cutting up bodies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I thought that bit. I don't know. I liked it. Well, she finds out Amity's one for murder and is like, I gotta go back to camp and tell everyone. I, mm-hmm. Well, no, we actually, it just cuts. We never see her adventures in town getting the supplies. It just cuts to her back at camp in the next chapter. Yeah. Again, it's like, there are a lot of cuts here where I'm like, oh, okay, now we're going to get mm-hmm. into this part. But instead, it just skips over it completely. And I was a little disappointed in some of the parts that they cut through. Mm-hmm. Like the last battle. But we'll talk about that. <laughs> oh my god, we'll get to that, we'll get to that. But yeah, uh, all we all we know is that she she didn't have any water the whole time she was out on her yes! shopping spree. I wrote down the quotation, but she hadn't thought to drink a single sip of water that whole time. And then I wrote, that's me, she is me, that's me at school, that's what I do every day. I don't drink water. But you think about it. I think about it because... I know that as a teacher, I have very limited bathroom breaks, and so I have to plan my beverage intake very carefully so that I can make it from 12.45 to 4.15 without a bathroom break. That's crazy. Yup. That's only one or two days a week. Oh, okay. But she gets back to camp, she starts getting rehydrated, and she's t- she tells Sai first about... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, no, Sai kind of just is like give me my papers back. And then they yeah. see, oh, hey, what's this other paper? Oh my goodness, it's a wanted poster. But no, before that, we have all of the romance of the, you're so dehydrated, I must rehydrate you. And also it wasn't earlier, Sai was like, you can't waste water. But then Sai yes. was using their water on Esther, because Esther hadn't drunk anything. Because Esther's oh, yeah. dumb. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And at first she was getting the water from the horse's trough, so technically Esther wasn't, like, wasting human water. <laughs> True. Uh, so, but yeah, Sai says you need to tell Bet and Lita. Mm-hmm. So Esther does, but then what happens, Hannah? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> okay, so Amity pops out of nowhere and holds Esther at gunpoint. How do you not remember this? <laughs> How do you not and- remember oh, yes! that? <laughs> Okay, I just remember that I was frustrated that they weren't explaining where Sai was during this whole thing, and we get a throwaway line in, like, chapter 9 about it, so we do eventually get that explained uh, about where Sai is during this whole thing. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. No, okay, so Amity holds Esther hostage and is like, you're going to take me to where I want to go. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you're a murderer. We really don't want you. And I was confused at this part because I was like, aren't they on the same side? Isn't is your side not okay with murder? Because I think they are. That's yeah. I I needed a lot more information about the resistance and how the librarians. I mean, we kind of know how the librarians are involved because I guess they're secretly sharing the materials that they're not supposed to be sharing and Mm -hmm. building up the resistance. But yeah, it does seem odd that, I mean, I guess Amity's like an extremist and, and maybe the librarians themselves don't usually run with the extremists. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I definitely got that sense because 
And I totally understood the librarian's fear of like, oh, now we have you. You're riding very plainly on a horse where everyone can see you. And we're going to get spotted first thing and get attacked. We were already spotted. Exactly. And we've already been spotted. So I kind of get where they're like, well, we don't want to transport you. But like, also, she's an assassin. She has nothing to do from what I gather with the other two women that she was with. And yeah, I thought they were all together, but no. Yeah. At one point, Esther is like, oh, they're they're a triad. Yeah. <laughs> so they, the librarians relent and decide to take Amity with them as they were doing before. So that's the end of that, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then, God, then the worst part happens where... <laughs> Esther starts hitting on Amity. Like, yeah. Pretty hardcore. Like, pretty obviously hitting on Amity. And, I mean, her lust is out of control. Yes. That seemed to be her main character trait, is that she was really horny. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I took from this. I mean, I guess if you're repressed for so long, and then you're in the situation where, where there's, like, a plethora of choices... (laughs) And they all feel the same way as you do. And you can be yourself. I guess you go a little crazy. Right. And make up for lost time. But Amity is an assassin who held her at gunpoint. I mean, Esther has some severe and quick acting Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My note for chapter nine, when all this starts happening is... I'm confused as to whether I'm supposed to like Esther or not. I don't trust her. I was confused if we were supposed to like Amity or not. Because all the characters don't like her at this point. Except for Esther eventually comes back around to her. Mm -hmm. And so I I didn't understand that character. Because again, Amity was on the side of the resistance. Mm -hmm. But seemed to be not necessarily in line with what resistance principles are at least based on the librarian's reaction to her yeah who knows and then we get to chapter chapter 10 oh boy do you guys remember what happens in chapter 10 this is the Um, this is the checkpoint yeah and what does amity do Amity isn't Amity just like front and center, like, here I am. I'll be here. I don't need to hide. I'm not gonna hide in no wagon. I'm just gonna be right there where everybody can see me. I mean, is her plan to get everyone, all the librarians killed, and then also to kill everyone they encounter? Like, is that really her plan? I did not understand why she couldn't just hide in the wagon with the other ladies there was no reason for this to happen other than the author thought oh i need an action scene to end this book but you could have had the guards discover amity in the wagon you didn't need her just riding out there when we all know she's wanted we all know they're gonna find her immediately and Mm -hmm. recognize her immediately it was so dumb i don't know what the plan was here we well the author forces an action scene an action scene that the author does not even write out correct yeah i don't know i was trying to figure out ever since amity is revealed as an assassin 
I don't know, Amity just got a lot more, like, exuberant, and I don't know, just, I mean, taking Esther hostage, and, and just everything just seemed to be a lot bigger, all of her actions seemed to be a lot bigger from there on out, and so, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know, I don't know why it was just, like, Here's Amity. She doesn't care about the consequences. She's just this assassin. She does what she wants. I don't know. It it was just it was it was stupid of her not to hide. It made no sense at all, and the book offered no explanations for it. So yeah, so then they fight everybody at the guard post. I guess Esther gets knocked out right away. So yeah, we don't really know what happens, and then. They forget her? Is that what happens? I, it seems like they rode no. off and forgot her. Because Sai's like, I can't believe I forgot you or something. I I, I think she's... I don't, I don't know. No, yeah, she was out of it. She's all concussed. But, okay, but we need to talk about how Esther murders somebody. Yes, yeah, so that's when she comes to. She comes yeah. to, and this guy that she saw Amity shoot in the head wakes up from his... Mm-hmm concussion or whatever i don't know and he has like a track of the gun down the center of his scalp where like split which is so gross yeah Um, yeah and he comes at esther so this is where i'm like where is everyone else esther wakes up after being concussed and sees this man who she thought was dead and he is awake and attacking her and where is everyone i don't know I wasn't sure if everybody was just, like, looking at the other dead bodies. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? But yes, nobody is around to help her. Mm-hmm. So she murders this guy. Yeah. How, did, how does she murder him? She shoots him. With his own gun. Yes. And so, okay, this book has a lot of problems. This book keeps having these throwaway lines about, oh... War has cost so much and war is always going on. This book seems to be anti-war, but then the solution to all of their problems is violence. Ooh. Yeah, for a book about librarians, like, I'm fine with them, you know, being all into the Wild West theme and, and having their guns with them and whatever. But it does seem a bit odd that violence is so prevalent in what they're doing and how they're solving their problems. I'm fine with violence being the solution to their problems, but also don't try and be an anti-war story at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do both. I agree with that. (sighs) (laughs) (sighs) But whatever. They kill everyone and then they make it to Utah. (sighs) (laughs) Woohoo! The end. Basically. Basically. Esther and Sai get promoted. And they go off on their own adventures together. Esther has been a librarian, not even a librarian, she's been a helper for about a week or two, and now she's promoted to librarian. Yeah, so now she is Sai's assistant. Yeah. And they're super in love, maybe. Because Esther, so Esther and Sai kiss. And then later, one of the last lines of the book is something along the lines of Esther... Didn't know how she felt about Psy. I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> you knew this whole time how you felt about them. And now you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And at the, okay, so Esther is a librarian now. She's going to be going around the country. I don't think they're worried about her father enough. 
They're not. No, they're not. He's going to find her in like two seconds. God, I mean, and they've left such a trail of wreckage. Like he's, he knows exactly where to find her. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is why I just wanted more. I, I wanted this book to be longer. I mean, I was happy it was so short. It made it easy to get through it. But Indeed. I I wanted to know more about the war and about this resistance and about what they're going to now do as librarians and their missions. And Right. I mean, this novel is something that I assume... Like, I assume it looks like this when an author's pitching an idea to a publisher and they send them, like, a book like this size. And they're like, what about this? And they're Mm. like, yeah, build it out. Okay, and then we'll publish the book. This is a great preview, though. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, it feels like a first draft. It, I mean, you can say meat and potatoes. It's just meat. It's, (laughs) there's nothing extra. (laughs) I would say even potatoes. It's all carbs. Yeah, there we go. It's all stuff I want to <laughs> hear. Yeah. <laughs> no seasoning, no butter or yeah. sour cream. <laughs> or chives. Just a big old potato. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ugh, I wanted to love this book so much and I'm so disappointed in it. Yeah. Like even discussing it just cemented that feeling for me. <laughs> yeah. I I know I'm not the target audience, I suppose. Even though I'm kind of a librarian, and I love the Old West, but I guess because this was the New West, I didn't like it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I will say after, like, reading the dedication and reading the author's note at the end, it's clear that this story is very personal for the author, and and hits very close to home for them. But yeah, I don't know. I I just feel like there should have been more (laughs) in this book. Mm-hmm. flesh it out more yeah it sucks that it's so such a personal book for the author <laughs> so but then again we don't live in a post-apocalyptic western so i suppose so maybe i can say that's where i had my biggest issues to make me feel better <laughs> about <laughs> putting this author on blast <laughs> right, just to end cap this would we recommend this book for others to read Okay, if you, okay, you're probably not interested in reading this book after listening to this podcast, but maybe check it out from the library. Definitely don't pay money for this book. It took me two days to read, so you can get through it real quick and it won't waste your life. But I do not recommend it. I think people deserve better than this book. Yeah, it's a quick, easy read, but I don't know. It was just okay. Yeah, I think there is a lot of pressure, like writing queer stories and I don't think that we were critical in any way because of that pressure like just to be clear like I think we were critical because we love books and westerns and sci-fi futuristic dystopian novels and we also want to see queer Uh, characters represented Mm. but i don't think any of that pressure is why we didn't like this book like i don't think it was our expectations maybe it was yeah (laughs) but i don't don't recommend it after all that (laughs) do you guys have any recommendations i do so since we just read an lgbtq plus book by an lgbtq plus author i figured i should recommend 
books that follow the same format. So I have two books by Adam Silvera to recommend. The first is They Both Die at the End. And I will say, recommending They Both Die at the End, it is kind of an insta-love story, but I think they did it better. But did their previous <laughs> love just die yesterday? No. <laughs> I don't think so. Maybe. I don't think so. But I don't know. Both of the books that I'm going to recommend deal with really heavy topics of, of death and depression and just mental health. And I feel like Adam Silvera does it in a really relatable and respectful way. And uh, They Both Die at the End is about this uh, universe where on the day you're going to uh, die, you get a call uh, letting you know that you're going to die that day. And so this book is about two teens who get that call and how they spend their final day. Oh, gosh, that's so sad. Why would I it's, ever want to read that? <laughs> I know. Okay, Emma, you're not going to want to read either of these books, okay? It's depressing, but it's also really sweet and, and really beautiful. And I don't know. I love that story. I love it a lot. And then his other book uh, that I'm going to recommend is History is All You Left Me, which, again, is fairly sad. Uh, it's about a guy named Griffin who's struggling after his first love and ex-boyfriend died in an accident. And so it's just about his downward spiral and about whether he's going to be able to move past what happened and, and move on with his life. So again, really tough issues, but really beautifully done. Those are my recommendations. So back when I thought that this book was going to be more alternate history, I decided to read a book that I've been meaning to read for a long time called Redressing America's Frontier Past by Peter Bogue. And it's a nonfiction book. It's about instances of cross-dressing in the American Old West and how mm. there are lots and lots of instances of cross-dressing, whether it is for gender identity or sexuality purposes or just for I can't get a job and support myself as a woman or I'm running from the law. You know, it goes mm. into all the various reasons behind cross-dressing but the main point of the book is how there are so many examples of this, but when we talk about the Old West, we don't talk about that at all. We only talk about the Old West is very heteronormative mm -hmm. and how that's all been erased. I haven't actually finished the book yet. Right. The book's not the best written book. It really is just a bunch of anecdotes about cross-dressing mm. in the Old West. Okay. Well, I think that's this is just kind of a point that you made me think of where, yeah, when we look back on the Old West, it's it's all like the men are like manly men or whatever that means. But I, I do feel like back then and in the past, it was a lot more socially acceptable for men and, and friends to, you know, hold hands and, and, and do things like that that you wouldn't see today. Mm -hmm. But in the Old West, it would have been acceptable and and but we don't see that in any portrayals of the Old West. Yes. Um, That's why I think this book would have been great to be set in the Old West, you know, to kind of highlight yeah. that history. That's why I read that book, because it's like, oh, it's going to be touching on this stuff. Let me mm -hmm. let me get ready. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I, I was so ready, and then I wasn't ready. No, no one was. Christina, do you have any recommendations? I don't have any related recommendations. I actually, I've never really read an Old West novel before. 
So that's something that I'm excited to get into with, is it Sam? What is it book called that we're reading later this year? Shane? Shane. <laughs> Sam. Sam. <laughs> Sam. Well, I was thinking Sam. That classic or, Western. Or, uh, gosh, what was it, Sean? <laughs> it's, it's a movie. It's a really famous movie, guys. I've never seen I it. I just watched it. It's so good. <laughs> the movie is excellent. I, I love that movie. I mean, I love westerns. I don't know if love is the right word. I really yeah, like I was them. gonna say we can hear the love in your voice. <laughs> I really like them. <laughs> when they're good and you've seen them. Okay. Not even if they're good. Like I really liked Cowboys versus Aliens, which I realize is not a good depiction. <laughs> is that the of a only Western. Western you've ever seen? No. I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> and some other random spaghetti westerns that I can't remember the names to. Okay, that's exciting. Spaghetti <laughs> westerns are, are always exciting, at least they in are. Parts. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Anyways, I'm excited to get into some good westerns. So, Emma, what are we reading next time for book club? So, this is a book that Christine and I are very excited for. I'm not. Yeah. We are going to be reading The 20 Days of Turin by Giorgio De Maria. This is from 1975, but it was only very recently translated into English. It's an Italian book. And I didn't want to look too much into what it's about because I feel like I was reading one synopsis and it seemed like it was telling me the whole book. But basically, it seems to be about a man who chooses to investigate a series of unexplained events that happened sometime before the start of the novel and it sounds pretty spooky that's why i don't like it and yeah <laughs> that's why we do like yeah. it and that's why we will like it we're reading <laughs> it <Too> yeah. <laughs> <spooky>. <laughs> we want that spooky <laughs> thanks for listening and joining in on our discussion until next time don't forget to treat yourself <laughs> <laughs>